I'm Jessica Veldstra. And I'm Denise Thompson. And today we're going to be talking about church and mostly like church attendance. Yes, yes. church attendance. And whether it's super important to go every Sunday and Wednesday or if people can be Christians and not go to church or, you know, somewhere in between. So, <laughs> what is your history with church, Denise? What was I don't know. Your... We can start with your history. Let's start, start with, with your my history. history. Okay. We well... always start with my history. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can start with my history. I grew up in a church. It was a community church, non-denominational. Um, my parents before that had gone to a Christian Reformed church, which is a more mainstream church, a little bit along the lines of kind of like Presbyterian. It was a Dutch Reformed church, Calvinist. And when they moved to Homer, Alaska, they... I'm going to break in here. I always think it's really funny that they go to a Dutch Reformed church. It's <laughs> kind of like saying I go to a, you know, a Mexican Reformed church or something. <laughs> Dutch Reform is actually a... No, I know it's it a, is, it's but an I, actual thing. Like, it's weird. <laughs> I think of people as, like, Dutch as their nationality. It's where yeah. you're from. And so I just think it's... It, I don't know. But Anyways, yeah. that's my two cents on the uh, <laughs> Dutch Reformed thing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, it was a Dutch Reformed church. Everybody who was, you know, the Dutch immigrant community went to the Dutch Reformed church. There's Dutch Reformed church in the Netherlands and all over the United States. But, anyway, it's Calvinist and more of a mainstream church. When they moved up there, they started going to a community church, non-denominational, had everybody in it from Mennonite to, of course, my parents are Calvinists, to Arminians, to Baptists, to, like, just a bunch of different faith traditions. Must have been a fun board meeting. I'm sure it was. <laughs> I'm sure that the board meetings were were fabulous and fantastic and super they were, interesting. Yeah, they weren't boring. Like, I thought that's what they were named for. <laughs> they were I so boring. I think that some of them were boring. And the church also had a Christian school. So I went to that starting in third grade. And there was also a Wednesday night youth group. We went to that. And there's there was two services on Sunday, morning and evening church. So we were at church. I was in the church building. As I said in earlier episodes, more waking hours when I was at home. But we were at church every service that it was open. And basically the only time we couldn't be at church is if we were very sick. Um, so that was a rule that was yeah. verbalized in your house? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, there was no question you were going to church. And, and on vacations, we went to church, <laughs> which was always an interesting and exciting experience. Since we went to a non-denominational church at home, I think that my parents often look for a non-denominational church on vacation. And, you, and with that, you just never know what you're going to get. <laughs> That's a crap food. <laughs> um, so we just, like, were driving along. Oh, here's a here's a church on Sunday. And sometimes... Why does it have snake in the oh, title? Exactly. <laughs> That never happened, but I do remember some very weird sermons on the road. So yeah, that was always, always uh, expected that we would go every Sunday. And then when I went to college, I tried out several churches in the area. I probably went, I'm going to say one out of every three or four Sundays. I went every Sunday to begin with, but then one every three or four Sundays, and I never did find a church that I really, really liked, and so I kind of 
just went from one to the next to the next. And then when I married Mike, we started going to the Nazarene church up in Anchorage. And then we went back down to the church um, I was in when we moved back to Homer and started serving there. So what was your... uh, My experience was very similar. (laughs) Except for, of course, my parents um, have different backgrounds in churches. But when they started going in the early 80s, they started attending the Nazarene church in the town that I grew up in. And that was a lot of our life Mm -hmm. that was a lot of our social and then of course you know I start school but as a as a small child that was a big social thing and I was the youngest and I remember hearing I think hearing my brother grumble a little Mm -hmm. bit about going to church at one point or another as a teenager and I remember thinking why wouldn't you want to go to church every time it was open because I mean that's where all my friends Mm -hmm. were and all that then I started public school and then it was church still just as much so it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday evening, but then you also had once I got into, oh, and Sunday morning was you know you also attended Sunday, Sunday school. school. Okay, you yeah, could I not about the Sunday school thing. Yes, that you was could definitely not a thing. skip Sunday nope. school and mm-hmm. just go to service because mm-hmm. yeah, that was yeah. unacceptable. And yes, it was. There was no mentioning it to my parents. You didn't mention not going because no. it would not have even been <laughs> an option. Yeah. And so I think I mentioned it when I was 16 or 17, you know, what if I don't believe this? Why, why am I forced to go? And my parents did say that if they, if I was under their roof, then I was going Mm -hmm. to church. There was no, (laughs) there was absolutely no getting out of that. So I really didn't push it because I really didn't, I really didn't feel like I was forced Mm -hmm. as a child. I do feel like I was forced to go to youth group. Mm -hmm which brings in another night of the week (laughs) and I also was involved in quizzing um until I put us until my (laughs) until my irritable bowels put a stop to that (laughs) I (laughs) I'm a very nervous person when I get up in front of people super outgoing one-on-one really nervous and my sister was really a good quizzer and Mm. I think I showed up for my first quiz meet very prepared it was (laughs) on John. And if people out there don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Bible quizzing mm-hmm. where they pick a book in the Bible and for one year or for one like quizzing season, season yeah. basically, mm-hmm. you study that book of the Bible and then they can ask you any questions on it, like finish this verse mm-hmm. or anything basically. They could ask you anything. Book, and yeah. you we had these little these seats uh, you sit in your seat and you have a jump seat, which is what it's called, but it's just this activator that activates a button and a light goes off on the judge's table and they know who jumped first. So that's the person who gets to answer. So it was not only good for your brain, but really good for like activity level. <laughs> awesome. Win-win. <laughs> it was like a lot of squatting, <laughs> just like barely touching, touching. Your, um, your, your seat. Anyways, I showed up to my first meet, and I think someone met me in the entryway of the church in the foyer area and said, oh, your sister is (laughs) so-and-so. She was really good. I wonder if you're as good, or something, you know, Mm. to that effect. And I legitimately Mm. was ill Uh um, and laid on the pastor's couch in the parsonage for the rest of the quiz meet. And the further we drove away from Valdez, which is where that quiz meet was, <laughs> the better I felt. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> so I decided the quizzing wasn't my thing. Yeah. So then I dro- I got to drop another night. But that still was three nights mm-hmm. a week. I had youth group. I had church on Wednesdays. And I had Sunday night and Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. 
and it was if the church was open we were there mm-hmm. my dad was did a lot of maintenance both my parents were mm-hmm. on the board mm-hmm. my mother was missions in charge of missions um if you're not guessing we went to an extremely small church where my parents did a lot mm-hmm. of stuff and consequently i saw a lot of negative things come from mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. some positive but a lot of negative so when i got married i moved to the peninsula with patrick and he had grown up also in a nazarene church so it was kind of my network and in a way, it is still a basis mm-hmm. of my network. Mm-hmm. I don't attend a Nazarene church anymore, but it is definitely <laughs> where our friends Present, come from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, our childhood friends. We are adults, and we're still friends with a lot of Patrick's childhood mm-hmm. friends. Or a lot of our family, yeah, which we consider friends. Mm-hmm. So we got married, moved to the peninsula, mm-hmm. went to the church Patrick grew up in, and we were married young, very, mm-hmm. very young. And 12, if you remember right. I was 12. <laughs> no, I was not a child bride. Don't take that literally. Yeah. <laughs> but I will probably say that I was married at 12 quite a bit. It was really hard to connect and start becoming adults in that church. Mm. And I think it was because Patrick's grandparents had gone there and his parents had gone there and he had grown up there and he was this kid. It was really hard for me to be the adult that I was trying Mm -hmm. to be. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But we went religiously. We were there quite a bit. I mean, I still did Wednesday nights. I mean, it was at least three, you know, Mm -hmm. three times a week still. We had some interesting things happen, and we decided that we were going to be moving about 45 minutes north Mm -hmm. to where we live now. So we just moved. It was very easy because we moved north. Patrick's got a huge family. They all go to the Nazarene church. What an easy plug-in mm-hmm. for another church. So we just plugged right back into another church, another, another, Nazarene, na- church. another Nazarene church. And then I hit a wall in my late 20s, mm-hmm. like a wall where I couldn't make myself go. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do it. Right. I was angry. I would be sitting there being furious. Mm-hmm. And you name it, I was furious. I wrote a list because I'm a list maker. I don't pay attention to things. I'm not organized in some ways, but in other ways, I make a lot of lists. So I remember making lists of things that really pissed me off mm-hmm. about going to church every Sunday. Yeah. And one of the stuff I mean, that was unbiblical, you Oh, some of it some was stuff that. Some of it was unbiblical. Some of it was against my value system. Mm-hmm. Some of it was. <laughs> that woman who sat behind me and smacked her gum the entire time, I'm, I think I'm going to punch her in her throat. Like, I think I had that as one of my, like, I can't believe she was smacking her gum in mm-hmm. church. I'm never going to, you know, just right. anything. I was furious. I was very angry. Mm-hmm. Co- you know, consequently, I was going through a lot of other things in my mm-hmm. life. I mean, it, it's your late 20s. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I got married so young, I think I went through a lot Almost of stuff later, mid, which is yeah. odd. I didn't get to do a lot the of college this. thing. Yes, mm-hmm. I went to college, but every night I was home. Mm-hmm. I ha- I was building my own house. I was doing all these things to prepare myself for the future. But, you know, then the future comes and you're kind of like, <laughs> what am I doing <laughs> in your late 20s? So anyways, yeah, that's kind of where I was at. And we ended up not attending a church for and- about... A year yeah. and a half. And around the same time, um, so my husband also grew up in the Nazarene church, so he also has connections with everybody around. Yes. Um, I mean, that is how 
we're connected. Yeah. I knew Mike, and then Mike, Mike met Patrick. And they became it, friends in the And ch- then the, I met... They met them at the church parking lot, right? Yes, the first time? I think so. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my family knew Mike mm-hmm. and knew um, some of Mike's family in North Pole, mm-hmm. which is about... At the time, 12-hour drive away from where Patrick grew up. Mm -hmm. And then Mike moved down to the peninsula, met Patrick. They became friends. Patrick and I then Mm -hmm. met, uh, got married. And Patrick introduced me to his friend Mike, who, oddly enough, I already knew. (laughs) That's how small this community is. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because sometimes when we need things with foster care, (laughs) once in a while we're like, well, the Nazarene community might be able to do that. They're really connected. Why don't we just call our local (laughs) one and see if they have someone down in, like, wherever we're needing help. (laughs) The connections run deep. (laughs) But, yeah, I actually kind of feel sometimes like a little bit of an outsider because I don't have all the same memories. I didn't go to Nazarene church at all. Um, So I didn't know anybody until I met Mike and Denise and Patrick through, through Mike. But so right around when Denise was writing her lists, Mike and I were... <laughs> My throat-punching list. <laughs> Mike and I were involved in youth ministry at the, at the church that I grew up in. So when I grew up there, we had one pastor. He was a pastor for, for many, many, I'm guessing over 20 years. So my entire childhood, I think maybe over 30 to 40 years, honestly. My entire childhood, it was the same pastor. Um, oh, yes. I know of this person, and I did not grow <laughs> yeah. up in Homer. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it was always the same person. And then when I was, I think, I'm guessing it was somewhere, like, junior or senior year, he retired, and the assistant pastor became the pastor um, for a little bit, and then there was a big church, uh, pastor church, and it, we went through, like, four or five pastors in succession really quickly. And that was really difficult because when you're used to one thing your entire life, except like for me, I had the same pastor. I went to the same school, my like same school, you know, third grade on to when I graduated, never moved houses, you know, same church. Like, so everything was the same and then everything was starting to get different. And then we finally had a pastor who started and stayed there. And we also had a new youth pastor and we were working with the youth. And there was a lot of things that I really started disagreeing with. And started- You wouldn't have known this at the time, though, because I remember trying to pressure you guys into coming up and hanging out over the weekend. And you guys were like, no, we have church. We and have- I was like, no, drop it, drop it. I'm such a bad influence. We, well, yeah. Or we, am I? And we had church <laughs> and we were involved with the youth. And But I started questioning a lot of stuff because... First of all, the pastor would kept on talking about desiring God and John Piper and how how great he was and we did do a lot of sermon series on desiring God. Well, I wouldn't know this until about probably five, six years later about how opposed to John Piper's theology I actually am because I was like, I don't know who this person is. I don't know what this book is, whatever. And I never did buy it. Like he kept on being like, we need to buy this book. It's going to be great. I never (laughs) did. I was like, okay. Who is this guy? But like I don't know why I didn't like ever Google him. Like I wasn't into blogs back then. I was I was well, like the I internet was, was not huge. Not, it was I mean, huge. what year I was, was like, this? I, it was probably two thousand. This would be two thousand three. Yeah, so it really wasn't like something googling you, was not like not a, a thing. thing. Yeah, I mean I, you did it, but you did. not But like I yeah I didn't know. Like I was like okay, so there's a guy, and I didn't read the book. I was like, Design God, you know, Piper, Piper, Piper. I'm like okay, but the thing is, I started to see st- themes come through both the church services and the youth group services that I had some really huge issues with. One of them was a pastor had come from Southern California 
which is a completely different culture than going to Tacoma or Alaska. And so he was preaching things like, <laughs> you don't need to get your third degree. You don't need to get a lot of money. Materialism is bad. You need to focus more on your Christian walk and don't worry about your, you know, retirement fund. Which are which all is good things. really good things if you're going to preach that to a Southern Californian with their, their third master in a Ferrari and a huge retirement fund. It's not the greatest presentation for people who are barely getting out of high school, maybe, have almost no savings in retirement, have no, like, almost no materialism. And so what was happening is people were taking this to heart, and instead of not getting their third master's, they were dropping out of high school. Yeah. And so that became a huge issue. And I have a really big problem with people who speak out against education, Especially, I mean, I'm, I'm like, okay, if you want to be a lifelong student, maybe that's not the most productive use of your time, but it's your, your business, whatever. But, like, I have a huge problem with people who say, don't go to college, you know, if you want to, if, you're, if that's your desire, or don't learn more, don't read this, um, or don't get more of an education because it makes me feel like you're trying to pull a fast one over on me and make me not learn more information. Yeah, um, what's out yeah, there? What's what, the information what, what, that, that you don't want me to know? What yeah. do you want to not? And so I had a real huge issue with that because I started seeing the kids in the junior at uh, the high school start if they did finish high school, they would get married immediately because why do you need a, a college education? <laughs> Boo. Yes. Uh well, you know. <laughs> You you went to college. I was a, I was a rarity. <laughs> yeah, um, I was gonna prove everyone wrong. And and you know I didn't have that baby nine right. months later. And you didn't. Um, I didn't have that baby, and I got my education. But so what they were doing was getting married immediately, right out of high school, with no job, except for to go into missions, and then they would have get pregnant, have a baby, get pregnant again, have another baby, and then pretty soon you're you got some two people who are uneducated, don't have any real way of earning a decent living having like a huge family and of course they're not going into mission fields because they're trying you know to feed themselves well I also (laughs) want to point out that to be a missionary you do have Have to to be educated educated. you're supposed to be educated and that was the problem and so I was seeing this pattern and I'm like this is not good this is the type of stuff that is you know maybe great to teach people who have a completely different culture and lifestyle but this is where we are right now we need to get get these kids into some education, whether it be trade school or, you know, college or whatever. They need a way to support themselves and maybe not get married immediately. Um, And then there was a (laughs) lot of, there was a lot of gender stereotypes found out later. Of course there was. It's John Piper. He doesn't even believe that women should become police officers. So um, (laughs) he definitely doesn't believe that women should be pastors. And so I, I found all of this out later, but I was really pushing against this. And I felt like the youth group was laying a lot of guilt on kids. That unnecessary. Unnecessary guilt. Uh, there was a lot of anti-masturbation stuff. Because that's what we want to focus and on. And I'm like, these kids are like sobbing because they've stumbled again. I'm like, this is really just not where we want to go with these kids. Just guilt upon guilt upon guilt. And so uh, we talked. We, I mean, I, I brought up some stuff. I kept on bringing up some stuff. And kind of the final straw for me was, I, I mean, I always had a bit of a hard time going to church. I, like, I get a little bit of a panic, and I still, to this day, if I walk into a church, get a little bit of panic because I was stalked um, by a, a guy in that church. And so when he came back, 
for a, a day. He was at, you know, he the pastor had him stand so he, up. So he's visiting. So he's visiting. He was out of, he lives out of state. He was visiting. The pastor had him stand up and everybody cheered. And so I requested a meeting with that pastor and said, this is what happened with me. You know, he was stalking me when I was in high school and it was really bad. And here's all the details. And the pastor fell asleep while I was talking to him. And I was talking to him with my husband. That is... And I think that was pretty much the end of that. So that was the end of... <laughs> I mean, it was probably a kind of a petering out, but that was like... I was just like, kind of, that broke my heart. And so, at the same time, you were kind of done. I was kind of done. And uh, we started... Um, we were both done. We stopped going to church for a while, and then we actually started a... Well, I think we talked about it as friends and just yeah. decided that we missed some of this, like, structured time together I think with we were other still, believers still like very much searching for sure, we were something. searching for something and we also thought it was very important to continue to do weekly meetings, meetings. Mm-hmm. yes but at that point being raised I mean you said you were raised the exact same way mm-hmm. and I was too I mean if you think about it I went to the Nazarene church from the time I was born until Mm -hmm. the time I stopped going to church. I had no other church experience. I mean, I went on a few youth group things with my Catholic friends and, but I didn't have any real urge to start attending the Catholic church. I went to a few Episcopalian events with my Episcopalian friends. Same thing. Mm -hmm. Didn't really feel the urge. I wanted something familiar, yet I didn't want the familiar. (laughs) And so we started a small house church Mm -hmm. in Patrick and my house. We uh, did that with a group of friends. We worked on a Bible study group. We had music. Music workbook. Um, it It was nice. I enjoyed it. We did that for about a year. Yes. And then we were still searching. We did get accused of stealing people yeah, from church, church because we had a few <laughs> other friends who mm-hmm. wanted to come periodically, and I did get a couple phone calls about theft of people because because you people know, can't make up their own minds, yeah. and I am the master of the puppet the, master, the thief of the people. <laughs> uh, I have so much control over other people. But anyways, friends. I am the puppet master. I'm gonna have a T-shirt with that made on it. Sorry. I just thought about my Puppet Master t-shirt and how wonderful that would be. That would be great. Yeah. I will get that. You've been accused of that a lot in your life. I get accused of being the Puppet Master a lot. Powerful. Just powerful beyond Yes. That I I get accused of having a lot of power over people. Over other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And I feel like I'm just walking through life completely oblivious (laughs) to what's going on around me. So when someone accuses me of having power, it kind of makes me giggle. And so then we had, uh, so so Patrick saw his former youth pastor in town. Yes. And we were at a children's soccer game for your son. And we ran into a person who I also knew as a youth when I was in Mm -hmm. youth and who I really liked and who I really looked up to. And so he invited us to a different church, which we had been, we'd heard rumors of. We had heard rumors of this church. We actually tried to find them in the phone book and at the time couldn't find them. And it was a a Wesleyan church, which was very close to Nazarene, theologically. And you can see the ding, ding, ding in my head because I'm like, ooh, something familiar. But different. Yes. different. So theologically, it's about the same. Nazarenes tend to focus more on missions. Wesleyans tend to focus more on Local. local, like, hospitals colleges other than that basically a lot of the same beliefs theologically Mm -hmm. yes so it was familiar we started going it was 
teeny tiny, teeny tiny, and it was mostly people over the age of 80. It felt like, yes. <laughs> and there was only 30 like, people going, and they were mostly over the age of 80. It felt like we were the only people not on oxygen. <laughs> but it was so enjoyable. It was, it was really great, and we really enjoyed the pastor. He was great. We felt very welcome, probably because they thought, oh, good, somebody under the age of 80. <laughs> Their hearing aids aren't going off. Um, and right after that, the church bought a different building and rapidly 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 grew we grew um, very from fast. from you know about 30 people to you know 100 and then 200 and then 300 and then we we're having second services and then third services so yes right now we're at three yeah so that all happened and we were pretty regular attenders until about two years ago well i would say even 2012 we started to probably drop off we started we going started into, to falter we started going in um 2008 uh, Easter of 2008. Yes. And then I think, I think 2012, we had a situation mm-hmm. in our house, which was life changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we, we had went from extremely structured to not so structured in our home <laughs> and a lot of, a lot of very rigid rules to a lot of freedom. And so that changed. We started going intermittently during that time, but we were still very involved in, in some of the ministries there. And then in the last two years, we started going less. Uh, we've had a lot of travel, a lot of, you know, out of out of town for one year. Like, almost every Sunday, for some reason, it was insane. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not a, the adventurous type to just walk into any church and just see what, see how gonna, the cars may, may Yeah, I, you drive. brought that up, and I forgot to say that oh about my, my parents, too. But that was something that they did to us. Uh, we would be on vacation, <laughs> and we would go to church. Not only vacation, we would be camping, <laughs> and my parents would find a church. I remember going camping in Denali Park and getting up in the morning and trekking to Healy, Alaska, oh. <laughs> to attend a random church on the side of the road that my parents knew about, and so we went into this church, and I remember being young and thinking, this is really weird. <laughs> like, so, I, yeah. I forgot to mention that that was yeah. part of my childhood, too, that yeah. it was so much a part. Yeah, you had to go to church on Sunday, and no matter if you're walking into the most weird situation, at least it was church. Yeah. At least it was church. Mm-hmm. I mean, these people, they might be the weirdest people you ever encounter, but they go to church, so they're better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well. Speaking, speaking of which, <laughs> where's the where's the weirdest people you've ever met? At church. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> Not the majority of them, but the very, hey. very weirdest people, the individuals. Okay, the weirdest <laughs> individuals I've ever met mm-hmm. have been in a church setting. And I'm gonna pr- I'm gonna go back mm-hmm. and tell you guys where my first job was. Oh, where's your first job? I worked at a cannery. <laughs> so you would think. I worked <laughs> At a cannery. That would be where you might meet the weird people. I mean, I met weird people, but the church people (laughs) were weirder. Still outweighed them in the weirdness scale. The individuals. Oh yeah. Yeah, Not by not as a group, but just the individuals. Neither one as a group. I am not making any sweeping statements. I am saying the weird individuals I've met. But there was a blue guy at the cannery. Uh, Like he was blue. He dyed himself blue. Yes. So well, because he was making a point about uh, color discrimination. Okay. So, I mean, weird, but super interesting. <laughs> he also drove his car with his feet hanging out the passenger window mm. and his head out the driver's side window. Yeah. So you just see him. Yeah. I mean, they told him he couldn't work with customers, and he said, are you firing me based on so the color of my skin? <laughs> oh. And 
they said, no, we just want you to go home until you fade. <laughs> until they're not blue anymore. <laughs> so, yes, I mean, yeah, I mean, but here I'm laughing. I mean, but when I went to church, I mean, I met those same type of people. Yeah. Maybe they didn't show up to church blue. But they did show up with maps of heaven. Oh, there was a dude with the, yeah. We did have the guy with the, the blueprints of heaven and how he was going. I mean, and he was showing the blueprints. Oh. Oh, my. I could just go forever on this subject. There was, you know, guys that don't wear shoes and old women oh. who get mad at the men who don't wear shoes. And they put them on the back of the pews. And, I mean, granted, that's just a little odd. Yeah. But then you've got, you know, women who knit and yell things from the foyer like they don't knit in the sanctuary they don't knit where the preacher's going but they go into the foyer and they yell things randomly at the preacher <laughs> you know and, and I think the people I met at church that were that were weirder were actually more dangerous because mm -hmm. they didn't than weird because because they weren't showing up blue and so you knew that they were a little odd well <laughs> I feel like the blue dude was, like, out there with his thoughts. He was very honest. But you got, in church, sometimes you have this, this, there you go to church, they're safe. So they're safe, yeah. And I feel like I was really exposed to a lot but of in studies, dangerous situations. Yeah, in studies, they show that pedophiles specifically target churches because they know that they have an open atmosphere of forgiveness and, and acceptance, so therefore they easily are able to get in and get access to children. Yes. And so, so I, I was exposed to a lot of very weird things. Mm -hmm. And I was exposed to a lot of weird thoughts on things that I don't think were, were actually were not supported by the church mm -hmm. as a whole, as a denomination, right. mm -hmm. or by my parents. And I feel like I was actually exposed to a lot of strange thinking, yeah. a lot of things that I don't believe in, a mm -hmm. lot of, like, prosperity gospel, which oh, is yeah. um, yeah. if you have good enough faith, if you are a good enough person, if you do all the right things, then you are going to get a new car. Or, yeah, rich. Or whatever or, you want. Yeah. Everything will go well for you if yeah. you just have enough faith, and that's just not not in the Bible anymore. I had <laughs> I had youth leaders that were basically my same age, mm. poor, poor person who had to do that. And then I had youth leaders that would make us sit on, like, meditation pillows and hold hands. And so we could feel each other's energy. Oh, I had... <laughs> no, I mean, really, honestly. And I don't know how much of this I even really told my parents. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, yeah, some of the strangest experiences I've ever had were definitely in church. Definitely not things that my parents believed in, but... But because that I went, you know, to church, it was stuff that I was exposed to, you know, like slaying in the spirit. My parents definitely did not believe that I was exposed to that, you know, idea that we are Jewish people, all Christians, which and we should be following the law, the Old Testament law, which my parents don't believe that. I mean, so like it was it was stuff. And I don't think that they they knew that was happening um, no I feel like I yeah. was exposed mm -hmm. to a lot more a lot more different ideas as far as religion uh -huh. than my parents probably realized I was I mean yeah. a lot of people are really concerned about kids going to public school and, and you didn't have the public school yeah. experience I had the public school experience and I feel that in public school it was so general it was oh. so ge generic mm -hmm. you know there was no one trying to teach me these things when I went to school mm -hmm. but going to church 
I did get a lot of mixed things, <laughs> a lot of mixed messages. Right. A lot of things weren't being um, monitored, monitored. Yeah. around me and and no one's fault. That's just the way it is. You got <laughs> you got a bunch of different types of people mm-hmm. coming together. That's what's going to happen. So what's our ethical company this week? So our ethical company comes from preemptivelove.org, which is my favorite. Seriously, my favorite. Mm-hmm also yeah i love them they're so great but it is their soap that they do Mm -hmm. it's called there is a sisterhood soap which is pure soap made by refugees creating jobs in iraq awesome (laughs) and there is the kinsman supply company and that's their men's soap made by refugees creating jobs in iraq awesome so so the kinsman the soap is made in a war zone by some of the toughest men on earth. <laughs> men who stare death in the face. Men who've stood up to ISIS. And men who refuse to abandon their families. Aww. So I love that mm-hmm. part. These people are refugees, survivors, overcomers, and craftsmen. <laughs> and I love this company so much. Not only for the wonderful like wording they put on their mm-hmm. products, but I mean, this soap is amazing. The Sisterhood Soap... The explanation on that is they lost everything to ISIS. They are mothers, wives, daughters, refugees. They live in tents and shipping containers, but they are not victims. They are our sisters. Mm. So it's a way to support our brothers and sisters in Iraq who are working hard to feed their families and also provide them a and skills trade and, and support themselves in, in this horrible um, war zone that they are living in. And so I think that's super important. I love preemptive love because they I do they too. Just... We're going we're gonna to probably hit on them a couple more yeah, times. Yeah. If you get a chance, look them up online because they're amazing. So. Do you think we judge the heck out of that? <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> Because we're coming back for part two. <laughs> so thank you for joining Ethical Quandaries, a podcast where we have a lot of questions, but no answers. And, and we're, we're judging, judging you anyway. Technical support and photography by Titch Kingsley. Consultation by Midtoker. Production music by EpidemicSound.com. Editing by me, Jessica Veldstra. If you have an ethical quandary or a comment, you can email us at ethicalquandaries at outlook.com. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Remember, if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. And become a patron on Patreon slash Ethical Quandaries. Thanks, guys.